0: locally.
1: Nah, we don't mm. we don't do any of that fancy stuff. Blue okay. snowball recording directly from Zoom. <laughs> it is fucking rank over here. Audio nightmare over here.
0: My but wonderful you... internet connection. I should sound fine.
1: <laughs> it's good, but you know I'm good at audio because I have one headphone off of my ear instead <laughs> that's 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 the real that's the real way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh folks, that voice you hear on the other end is Internet Hall of Famer Shannon Strucci. Uh, you, you know her work from Parasocial Hell, uh, uh Scanline, and also uh what I'm talking to her about today, Inside Out, your body horror tabletop RPG magazine. And also, we're gonna talk about body horror in general. Shannon, how are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. That's one yes. of my favorite things to talk about, so I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I love body horror so much. Um And I want to sort of get into I've I've been trying to investigate why it gets deep into my soul or the core of my very being. And I've I've come up with a few answers, but I'm sort of interested in uh, what you have to say, because you're a very prominent person in uh, the body horror community.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. Um, Oh, I think for me, like this is super uh, personal. But like when I was five or six, I had like a tumor in my hand. Ah. Um. And I had like, uh, I had psoriasis and I had uh, fingernail problems where they would like lift off the nail bed. Mm-hmm. It was like awful. I had like real. it wasn't anything like serious medical issues, but I had like, I dealt from a young age, like with weird things. I mean, everyone's like, like uh, a lot of media like explores puberty or whatever. It's like, there's weird stuff happening in my body, but like mm-hmm. in a non-sexual at all or like normal way, I had weird things happening with my body. So I relate and you're like scared and confused and like mm-hmm. other kids think it's gross and don't understand it
1: yeah so yeah for
0: me um like disfigurement and those sorts of changes and like the repercussions of the changes like i have nerve damage and stuff in my hand not bad though uh i think that's what got me initially interested in it and i grew up uh my mom was a big horror fan and got me into like evil dead mm-hmm. uh like evil dead too where his hand is taken over and stuff like yeah that. yeah um, yeah and i think just the idea of, of loss of control of your own body is so terrifying and being reminded that like you're just like meat and yeah like Adams and and the, the the depersonalization of that i think is like terrifying but it's also fun it's not too like there's some horror that's it's, it's not as serious or political as a lot of other horror so maybe it's easier yeah. for people to have fun with it so that's my, yeah inherently grand.
1: more personal i think there's also mm-hmm. corollary because there's like one side of body horror where it's you're decaying or you're putrefying but there's another side of it where you sort of become gross, but then your ascended form is more powerful mm-hmm. and you're like more uninhibited as well, because, you know, you have sort of transcended beyond human limits, you know, in every resident evil, there's a character. Like, I must go beyond. By <laughs> yeah.
0: hundred percent. And that's kind of like a fun fantasy, right? Like, well, if I, you know, all I have to do is sacrifice being human mm-hmm. and I can beat everybody up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's that, um, I I was trying to trace it back to something. And you know what actually got me thinking about it? Just thinking about the child's garden of body horror that I had access to in the early 90s. Because for some reason, I had seen like a screenshot of Street Sharks. And then I was just reminded of Street Sharks. And I was watching the first episode and it's like, They get injected with a horrible serum. They have a horrific (laughs) transformation sequence. Mm -hmm. And they're good. You know, in the 90s, there were infinite cartoons of people getting injected with stuff or falling into vats and then going like. The reanimator goo, it's always glowing green. Yeah. And I think what started that, if I could trace it back to anything, I think it might be the Toxic Avenger, which is Mm. definitely not a movie for kids, but has that weird sort of cartoonish bubblegum aesthetic. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I it was eventually a cartoon, which is fucking weird when you think about it. But yeah, that sort of started this arms race because in Spider-Man, there was body horror. In Batman, like the pilot episode is body horror, you know, with Man-Bat going through it. And it's that same thing yeah. of losing control of your body, but also gaining new power as well. That sort of like, and no other horror, even as like a kid, no other horror got to me that way. Like I wasn't slashers were less scary to me It's because what's the end you're dead i okay Mm -hmm. you know but now you have to live on as some sort of creature you know that's that's much more of like a a weird horror situation for me or like some sort of cosmic punishment or maybe divine deliverance sometimes you know
0: i really like courage the cowardly dog yes and that the there's weird the little the lady who lives in the vacuum who has like suction cup hands and there's like mm-hmm. infinite, weird, grotesque. Um, it, A lot of it's not body horror. It's other types of horror, but there is mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, uh, their bodies getting deformed or changed or whatever it used to turn mm-hmm. into a big foot. Or yeah. The, f- f- yeah. Anyway, that was probably my touchstone at that age too for it when I was mm-hmm. really young. Um, I would love that show, even though it scared me.
1: I I think if I were to, it seems like there were more like, pop culture awareness, like pop environmentalism in the early 90s, like Captain Planet and Fern Gully, I think because like conservatives weren't concerned about that movement. So they just were like, weren't combating it in any way. And there Mm -hmm. was like more freedom to sort of express these environmental things in like a a pop sentiment. And I think that's sort of where a lot of it comes from, because it's usually someone going to some chemical factory on the other Mm -hmm. side of town and then falling into a vat. And then, you know, the or some sort of like horrible medical thing happening like this, this sort of marriage of uh, the capitalist waste of the earth is is reflected in your body. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of that in the 90s that I think is just completely gone from mm-hmm. not that I watch a lot of kids TV, but I can't think of anything. And I guess it was something easy to lean on to that parents would, I guess, like our liberal parents would approve of. It's mm-hmm. like oh the bad guys he cuts down trees or whatever. It's pretty kind of lazy too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> to like keep falling back on. Um <laughs> I remember watching a lot of that as a kid
2: as well.
1: Yeah, but we don't have tree cutting bad guys anymore. Where are the tree cutting bad guys, you know?
0: I I never saw the Lorax. did the Wonsler cut down trees. I just know I, the I, was popular on Tumblr.
1: Yeah, they got everyone was really hot for the Wonsler. Yeah, reason.
0: that's the last thing I or like uh well yeah, it's not for kids but like Oakjaw or something. It's just not I think everyone is so just like terrified of climate change at this point, And it's kind of like, I don't want to say losing battle, but an individual consumer, like recycle is not going to fix it. I think mm-hmm. everyone knows that that people are less naive about it, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's almost like too scary to think about. So we, mm-hmm. we, uh, cause, uh, you know, that is a big thing, you know, huge environment, all of these environmental factors are still wreaking havoc with all of our bodies, you know, microplastics yeah. and frickin' everything. Um, and, uh, You know, I wonder why there isn't as much attention paid to it now when it seems just as relevant, if not more relevant. Was it because of like a campaign by uh, conservative interests or like was it, you know, I I wonder why in an era that's even more defined by our relationship with how we're affecting our physical forms through Mm -hmm. our pollution, you know, why aren't we calling attention more to this?
0: I don't know. I'm sure there are like weird structural reasons. Like maybe there was some kind of like grant or something or some government body paid for, t- you know, environmentalist propaganda and cartoons or they mm. were just like, there were people who like wanted to push that. And then it's just not the money ran out or they shifted focus <laughs> to something else. I have no idea. Yeah. It's not really my, I'm sure there, but I'm sure there's some weird convoluted <laughs> reason that there was so much of it at that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, Or maybe just the focus has shifted more to like, racial justice and, and like the adult mind of like what are the big problems facing our society now yeah. or like gender equality versus like it's all still happening it's yeah all, it's worse you know you could feel it it's so hot. i live in georgia it's hot oh, wow. outside all the time now so, <laughs> you know, i already was but like it's hot you can wear shorts on christmas and it's weird it's like even people in denial of it i don't know
1: yeah i think um i think also just because the I guess the focus really has shifted to technology as the source of horror as well. Mm-hmm. Although maybe I'm just extrapolating from black mirror, uh, which is, I saw, did you see any of the new black mirror episodes?
0: I have not. I have band snatch was my last yeah. Black mirror experience like five years ago or whenever I liked right. it. I, th- I think there was like a weird backlash against black mirror eventually from people who are just haters. I don't know. I always liked it. All right.
1: Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Um, I, but it's funny because in this new season, there's a couple of episodes that just aren't technology at all. Mm. It, they've just abandoned the premise because I imagine Charlie Brooker's is like, you know, there's only so many ways to come up with, you know, oh, no, m- my phone. You yeah. know, <laughs> you know. eventually you start uh, having to. And, you know, actually, this season had an episode about, you know, uh, social and racial justice issues. I, that mm. was a, the last episode of the season is is sort of about that, which is, I think, um. It, it, the thing that's on people's minds now may be mm-hmm. more than sort of uh a pop understanding of environmental change
0: i mean obviously it's all interconnected you know we're mm-hmm. gonna get climate refugees and it's gonna make housing harder and like for and that's gonna disproportionately affect people of color but it's like hard to i guess pe- keep people's focus on all of it mm-hmm. especially when it's really hard to enact any kind of meaningful structural change
1: mm-hmm.
0: i don't know these are like big questions
1: well, that stuff. we're going to answer <laughs> yeah, right which now i'm
0: not i'm an idiot like i don't uh, i know how to edit videos and talk about spooky movies like i don't know but it, it's always interesting how that's like reflected in pop culture and horror especially like everyone like if you studied horror at all you know it's like a, a major barometer for what's going on culturally mm-hmm. um which which is always interesting yeah like, with, with the ad like when there was like vietnam war footage on tv that's when a lot of American horror movies got like more gory and then like all the torture stuff after, you know, like 9 11 and yeah, in Iraq. So,
1: gore is sort of making a comeback as the big horror yeah. model now, Terrifier 2 and the recent Evil Dead, uh, which I, I don't know how much it grossed, but I saw it and it was pretty good. It was very, very gory.
0: I'm a bit, I'm like such a massive fan of the original Evil Dead movies. Like, I read yeah. Bruce Campbell's autobiography in high school, it was like a big, like, I was like a big. If I don't know Jins I watched it yeah if Jin's could kill confessions of a b-movie actor I read it like twice I don't it's really hard for me to separate that if I'm watching I haven't seen ash versus evil dead which I think I would like um but it would be hard for me to watch the new movie and not be like well this isn't what I want it to be which isn't really fair I watched the one that was like 2013 and I didn't really care for it um, yeah I got why people liked it one. but it was like uh, I, sh- I should watch the new one though but it's hard for me to not be biased
1: uh the new one looks really good that's the thing that everyone's saying about it and it's true Mm -hmm. it's it's a really good looking all the set pieces are great really good practical effects but like the fede alvarez one it is uh not funny it is not there's it preserves none of the comedy of the original which is which is all right i like the horror premise of evil dead where it's it's dibbix right it's some evil spirit has taken control of someone you love Mm -hmm. And just dealing with that is a fucking nightmare. It's like it uh horrifying. Yeah. yeah.
0: Conceptually it's fucking horrifying.
1: I mean, that's also like body horror too. Like you said, you mm-hmm. related it back to the Evil Dead movies because um something has taken over your body and you know you're fighting against it as well. I I think it's interesting that you linked it back to uh a childhood experience with cancer because I think mm-hmm. uh it wasn't, wasn't
0: cancer uh oh, tumor it was a, still a tumor a different though. tumor yeah. yeah yeah
1: but you <laughs> still know a tumor it's very much yeah. still a
0: tumor but yeah
1: but yeah when I was a kid I had formative experiences with diseases you know nothing that happened to me mm-hmm. but my mom had cancer she she mm-hmm. survived you know but I had I when I was 11 there was this person who I knew my mom was friends with this person who I kept visiting in the hospital who uh, had cancer and she passed away from it. But you know, it's weird seeing someone your own age, you know, deteriorate and get worse. That I'm sure that that has something to do with my interest in disease or sort of my uh, uh titillation is the wrong word, but yeah. it kind of is. It is the right word. It's like it produces these little. Uh, finger pricks of sort of sensation but also disgust as well you know there but mm. there's a sort of want to explore that feeling to understand it so that it doesn't have such power over me as well
0: and it's so taboo culturally yeah i mean also i come from a place like when i was in like middle school like a bunch of my family died including my dad and it was like really bad mm-hmm. um but that kind of changed like compared to another like white american person so much experience with death i think totally changed my relationship with it and like one of my family members became a mortician and i used to live with her and she'd just like come home and talk about horrible dead body stuff okay all the time. Yeah. it's like i like i but that's normal for us too like you grow up around it it's less taboo it's not that it's less scary but maybe you're a little more a little less squeamish or more mm-hmm. open to, or curious or like you want to engage with it like uh, it's not well. Some of it's body horror, but like Silent Hill Two is like my favorite game of all time, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of my fixation on that has to do with my own experiences with death and so on. That like it might be a little weirder for someone who hadn't experienced that or who mm-hmm. had didn't grow up with a parent who's like obsessed with horror, like my mom was.
1: Yeah, yeah. My my dad was the one who was obsessed with horror, but he was much more of a zombie movie guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really. He, I I remember. I think one of my first formative experiences with body horror, which is a very Canadian experience too, which is, uh, Oh, David Cronenberg's the fly. I'm eight mm-hmm. years old and I see this videotape. What's this all about? Oh, no, and then it's, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's way too young horrible. to watch. *The Fly*. <laughs> but I think that also had a lot to do with, cause you know, that it, I watched that movie recently that just the tightest script, incredibly tight script, And you have Jeff Goldblum, who's like instantly likable. So when you see him, you know, becoming cancer, a cancerous fly man, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it it really gets to you. It really gets in your heart. And poor Gina Davis, she's she's wailing. And the freaking scene with the maggot birth. Oh, my God. Terrible.
0: Finger, the part where his fingers are all gross. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Good. um, I've always had like a disgust reaction and a fear towards pregnancy. And Mm -hmm. watching the brood oh yeah where she's like eating this so it's like uh, it's so gross but it's like oh i'm glad that this thing that people act like is very like and i understand why it's like holy and beautiful for people who like want to have kids and it's wonderful for them but like to me it's like the parasitic nightmare
2: yeah
1: yeah. (laughs) it's a thing that's growing inside of you and it's reaching your nutrients yeah
0: and it's like weird and your body's changing in ways that you can't. And I'm sure people like in the past, if they didn't medically understand what was happening to them, that's so scary. And yeah, yeah Cronenberg taps into that so well.
1: Oh, you have a glow just like in body horror. You're glowing yeah. like a radioactive yeah. monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, I, that's that's definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, Cronenberg, we're going to get to him eventually in this conversation because mm-hmm. he's a uh, is he the most well-known body horror guy? I guess his name is synonymous with it.
0: I think so too. I was uh, going back over for the zine that I did. I wrote a little introduction, and I was pulling from uh, Philip Brody's piece that I think like named body horror, mm-hmm. called "Horality: The Textuality of the Contemporary Horror Film," and he talks a bunch about uh, Cronenberg mm-hmm. and American Werewolf in London, and Alien, and The Thing, and Deep Red. Which are all like roughly contemporary, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. American Werewolf
1: in London, one of the greatest body horror sequences of all time.
0: Oh yeah. I love that movie. I've seen that so many
1: times. Terrible Um, man directed it, but he could direct way better than his son, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh my god.
1: And that was before he did the terrible thing. So it's okay. It's okay to like it.
0: Well, it's like I, you know, I I guess just an instance of separating the art from the artist. I wasn't even thinking about that he had directed it. I've just, like, that's probably another one my mom showed me. And mm-hmm. I love Griffin Dunn. I just rewatched After Hours for a Yeah, he's podcast, great, yeah. Which ha- that also has, like, he's so terrified of burns and getting burned. And he's, like, hallucinant. That's also, like, a weird, not graphic body horror. But that's an element of that movie, too, for, like, a dark comedy that's not, like, a over-the-top horror
1: film. Yeah, you, I always hours. forget about Griffin Dunn's horrible de- decay makeup in that movie. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: with the yeah. little dangly piece on his neck i think i yeah. watched an interview where he was mad that that's all he was giving this great performance but everyone just kept looking at the like disgusting <laughs> like, gore latex on his yeah, neck. yeah the decay the, the, the animatronics and the um makeup on that are so good because by the end he's like so decayed it's not even griffin Dunn anymore
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it, it's funny that what about that early time you know i guess the 70s and 80s is when it first really starts humming can you think of like body horror examples from like the 50s and 60s besides like werewolves i guess is the earliest example i can probably think of
0: there was probably some like sci-fi stuff i'm mm. not as up on like 50s cuz a lot of them are so slow like mm-hmm. which not it's just like stuff was cut differently then uh 50s and 60s sci-fi movies there's probably like some fear of radiation and, and you know, I'm sure a lot of like post war Japan stuff dealing mm. with atomic like atomic horror. Yes. Um, but I maybe because like speaking of American movies, maybe there was like enough censorship or they were kind of worried about what they could show. It's like, well we'll just put a giant ant in the movie <laughs> instead of like <laughs> yeah. Any, any graphic. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, that's not my I know a lot more about seventies, eighties movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking uh I'm Do you remember that one? There's one that always terrified me. It's like this B movie. I think I first saw it on MST3K or something like that. It's The Melting Man or like The Extraordinary, The Incredible Melting Man, which is the 70s body horror movie, which is like very slow, but the sequences of him melting, they get to you. I tell you, I tell you that much. They get to you. They did Mm -hmm. the melt part right.
0: Remember, I think it's Abominable Dr. Fibes, one of the Fibes movies where like he melts a girl's face. And I remember it like fucked me up. It was like really disturbing to me. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. like seventies, I guess. Um, well, it, yeah, like we, those weird those are more campy movies that will just suddenly have a scene that's just like terrifying. Or like in the, the deep red is the one mentioned, one of the ones mentioned in that article. And it's like the, the killer boils this person alive. It's really crap. It's a great movie, <laughs> but it's so graphic yeah. and like, oh my god. Uh
1: the face melting thing reminds me of. Maybe one of, I think, a lot of people's earliest exposure to it. And something you wouldn't think of as being like a father of body horror, but Steven Spielberg and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. I remember like watching that movie very young because, you know, it's indie. You show that to your kids, right? It's fine to show even the horrible things happen in those movies, especially the fucking Nazi face melting scene, Mm -hmm. which I saw way too young, but was still, you know, interested in it and would rewind and watch it again because just to see like, after you get used to the idea of like, oh, it's just an effect, then mm-hmm. it becomes cool to see how they did it as well, which is yeah, learn really pretty impressive. early about movies.
0: And then it's something I went like, not that I watch that many like PG 13 big release movies now, but I do think there's more of a reticence to do shit like that. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, uh, to have a really disturbing practical effect scene of someone's face melting. Mm-hmm in like a marvel movie or something i don't know if that would i it's also good to not traumatize children i guess
2: yeah <laughs> it's, like, where, it's hard to draw
0: that draw that line um i'm sure it's hard for parents of like what their kids should be able to watch and expose them to new things and let them learn but not just traumatize them forever like my friend saw the exorcist when he was like five <laughs> that's uh, too it's young. fine as an adult yeah it's not yeah. gonna give me nightmares but it's like yeah that's not a good idea
1: it's it's weird the stuff that would give me nightmares as a kid wasn't uh it wasn't horror stuff it was always like weird dramas there was this one movie called fluke i don't know if you know of this movie it's it's this weird 90s movie where matthew modine is killed and he comes back to life as like a dog and <laughs> he, really he's weird. guiding his son's life and it, yeah it's a very weird but this movie gave me nightmares <laughs> as a kid mm-hmm. and that. Like I had nightmares about like Mr. Rogers and stuff like that. Wow. Mr. Rogers luring me into his house. It was like whenever I would see something that was way too above my grade. Like I saw Clockwork Orange when I was way too young, but I didn't know like any of the bad stuff was happening in it because I had just yeah, no frame of reference for it. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh but the stuff that I could understand, you know, I was more susceptible to nightmares. But also, I think you should traumatize your kids a little, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, in in I I think uh, there's whole uh, there's whole frickin Twitter accounts dedicated to children's horror. And, you know, this Mm -hmm. scarred me when I was a kid. But you revisit it later because it's also sort of like amusing or nostalgic or weirdly comforting in a way as well to revisit the pieces of media that left a strong, perhaps negative impression on you at a very young age.
0: And then there's a difference, too. Like I saw uh, I had a friend in elementary school who had like a weird family life and she had moved to a new place and I was there alone late at night because I can't sleep. And they had Night of the Comet on TV. And it just like something about it when I was like nine terrified me. Like, mm-hmm. it really I think it was the situation with like her parents fighting or me being alone in this weird house. And that was like a bad experience. And I never <laughs> have revisited that. But then other stuff like watching Are You Afraid of the Dark, uh, reading Goosebumps, playing horror games is much mm-hmm. more positive because it was scary. But it's like I'm as I'm growing up, I'm exposing myself to scarier things and it's fun and it's exciting and I feel more grown up. Uh, because i was so into horror stuff especially compared to other kids my age um i was 100% positive even if in the moment it's like really scary it's like i always loved uh, haunted house attractions mm-hmm. i've been like really every when i was like 14 i was like leading the group uh, even if it was like male <laughs> strangers because <laughs> i was like so into it you know uh again versus something that was actually like upsetting and like tr- traumatic to where i never wanted to rewatch that movie i probably could now in my 30s but for a long time i was like no thank you
1: yeah, you've hit an interesting part of like not just body horror but horror in general, which is that it's sort of like spicy foods, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, you, you have to it yourself.
1: Develop a tolerance and then you get used to it and there's sort of like a that's a fun process too of like testing mm-hmm. yourself of okay, what's my limit here? What what can I do? What won't I do, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. What what is uh unacceptable or too gory to me? And it's it's heartening to actually see the Evil Dead movie and it still does stuff in it where I'm like, oh no, yeah. oh God, yeah, yeah. It's very nice that I'm not jaded enough where I can still think someone chews glass in the movie, which is a spoiler. So, but mm. see, you wince there a yeah. little <laughs> Yeah, it's no good.
0: Well, It's also, it's so good. I love spicy food and there's such a difference between something that is like, oh, I'm trying something from a new culture and it has this unique blend of flavors and it's like sour and hot and this and that. Versus like the the novelty hot sauces that are just capsaicin, mm-hmm. like that are just like oh I'm just chemically burning myself. What what is this? Like there are horror films that I think are I'm not uh, someone who's gonna moralize about horror, but it's like oh this mm-hmm. is just for shock, and there's nothing yeah. really. Like I don't like like I a lot of people like them. I don't like Eli Roth's films. Yeah, they're, they're really. I've never gotten any. They're just mean. <laughs>
1: I I really, I think it's very funny. The Green Inferno is one of the few right wing horror movies Mm. that one of the few, like, I should say, um, competently made in that Mm. it's like not like I imagine a right wing horror movie is made by like the Daily Wire production company and it has like audio problems and there's like a boom mic and a bunch of shots and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, um I guess there are other examples of like right wing horror, like Bone Tomahawk, you could argue, is a right wing horror. It's made by a right wing guy. I don't know if you could read that much conservative messaging into it.
0: I mean, the whole like, there's a lot of uh, horror studies material covering like slashers being anti sex. Mm-hmm. Or like, it also depends on what you mean by conservative. If you're meaning like really hardline, like racist, transphobic, mm-hmm. or more just like teenagers shouldn't be doing drugs it, like that's kind of different to mm-hmm. me they're both conservative and both like reactionary um but there, i think there's a lot a lot of it in a long history of it maybe less so now mm-hmm. uh, like i haven't seen bone tomahawk but that seems like almost like a novelty for a horror movie to be like that mm-hmm. like overtly conservative because most of them are more like transgressive even yeah. if they're not progressive they're like pushing they want to yeah. push boundaries you know
1: yeah, Bone Tomahawk, you, it's hard to read hard conservatism into it, even mm-hmm. though S. Craig Zoller is definitely, you know, has has his political points of view, mm-hmm. much easier to read and dragged across concrete. It's very OK. Mm-hmm. I see the messaging of this. Um, but yeah, I, I, the thing with uh, body horror. So what are your foundational body horror works in your body horror canon? Or like uh, what are some of the works that uh, influenced you today?
0: Um, I mean, I love Cronenberg stuff. I saw, t- my friend was in a film class in college and they were watching Videodrome. Like it was a VHS tape the professor was projecting. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I ever saw Videodrome. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Like I, they, I, they let me just come in and watch it even though I wasn't in the class. Uh, I love all of his work. I love the way he talks about Videodrome too, how he was like watching stuff late at night that he wasn't supposed to be watching. Yeah. You know, like, the static on the TV and that's where he got the idea for it, um, you know, that's a, whole, a lot
1: of Toronto history in Drum. because yeah, it's partially yeah. inspired by Moses Snymer, who was a guy who made this Toronto channel called City TV, which mm-hmm. aired you know racy stuff. It Related aired like the naive. Red Shoe Diaries and stuff. But I <laughs> that that was like later.
0: Naive now with the internet, you could be a little toddler on an iPad next only watch like creepy pregnant Elsa videos. Yeah. <laughs> like there's so much more exposure to hardcore stuff for kids now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um And I read a ton of um short horror stories when I was very young. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of like uh, the horror at Chilton Castle. Um, I'm blanking on it a little bit now, but I, I just like, I didn't read horror novels, mm-hmm. but I would get like every single one at the library. These like books of like, probably like mid 1800s to mid 1900s short horror stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I loved Evil Dead, American War up in London. Uh, much more recently, there's a Korean webcomic called Sweet Home.
1: Oh, I I, I've with. I've seen that's on Netflix. They have a show on Netflix about it. But what's the what's the comic about?
0: It's so good. It's uh this little. that's uh this Korean guy who's basically like the Korean equivalent of like a fortune like incel troll. Yeah. Uh, horrible person. He's like suicidal. Self harms, and he's like alone in this apartment. Um, he doesn't really have anybody. And then like, the apartment starts being taken over by monsters but the monsters used to be people and they're taken over kind of by like their repressed desires mm-hmm. or their like issue it's sort of like persona stuff mm-hmm. like the lacanian mirror self so like if someone felt like they were really weak or or they were like obsessed with fitness it's like this giant monster that says protein and eats people and the <laughs> art's really good it's really funny and the characters are very very well done and it's kind of like wreck where they're all stuck in the apartment and it's like this guy who's a horrible troll internet troll slowly learns how to be a person as everyone around him is dying. And you have like the, 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 like I said, there's like this girl who plays guitar who has her own like traumatic past. And there's like a Christian Korean guy who's like really religious and they're how they all interact with each other. And like I said, the monster designs, there's one that's like a giant torso, like a deformed shriveled head with like a beautiful face on it that Mm -hmm. always wants like attention and affirmation. It's like about how beautiful it is or else it'll kill you. And mm-hmm. stuff like that it's just re- the i watched the adaptation and the, i thought the first half was really really good and then it kind of re- went off the rails and like diverged from the plot a lot but um and there's also a, a really good uh comic called feast for a king that's kind of like a, a queer erotic horror sci-fi thing about space worms eating each other okay it's really good really interesting i think sort of more obscure stuff like that mm-hmm. like a bunch of old movies and stories and then video games and web comics is what i'm more interested in now I don't see I it. See. I, see, I try to see like big horror movies, like I saw uh Malignant and Barbarian and Skinamarink and stuff, but yeah, I, I, I don't catch I don't keep up with horror film as much as I should, I think.
1: I think it's interesting uh, you mentioned Barbarian as well, or even malignant. Um, how much uh, comedy and horror is sort mm-hmm. of like uh, I'm glad that's become sort of a mainstream thing, even like Terrifier 2. I guess not. It's funny that Evil Dead is one of the few horror movies that don't have comedy injected to it in, into it mm-hmm. nowadays. But I think it's from, you know, Jordan Peele uh, obviously is a huge reason for why more comedy guys are attempting horror. But I, I think mm-hmm. there is something about it where comedy people are able to do naturalistic dialogue usually better than a lot of horror writers. Or they have yes. training in like developing characters so that they're likable and so that you care if something happens to them, you care if they live or die, which you only have so much time to do in like an hour and a half movie. But, you Absolutely. know, uh, Zach Crager, who directed Barbarian? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't like know. the movie. I like the movie too. But mm-hmm. it, the, yeah, you care about those characters. Mm-hmm. And then even though Justin Long is a terrible person in the movie, he's also like a complete human as well. Mm-hmm. He's not just like a stock, terrible person. You understand his motivations and you know his sensitivity even though he's he's like a fuck which makes Mm -hmm. him you know even though he's terrible it's still uh, difficult to watch him struggle against this inevitable uh fate that's about to befall him
0: horrible weird gross fate uh Mm -hmm. yeah i was always it's not really body horror but i was always a big fan of scream too oh yeah very very hysterical movie and Mm -hmm. i think i mean I, I do love uh like more serious horror movies about like grief and whatever like like uh, hereditary and all this other stuff but I my favorite stuff is usually comedy horror that doesn't take itself too seriously because oh, yeah and and I, obviously this is something people have talked about a lot too but the way that you can oscillate back and forth you'd have some gags get your guard down then you're terrified then it's funny again yeah I think that's a more complete experience than just something that's uh, like well though that was kind of scary
1: it can also make the horror gut punch so much more cruel. Mm-hmm. Like my, the example I would use is drag me to hell where it's like, yeah, it's pretty goofy from the tone of the movie. You wouldn't expect it to end like it does. And then it ends like it does. And you're, oh my God, another movie with Justin Long in it for some reason. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And he's good in the movie too. You know, he's, he's, he's good at eliciting sympathy.
0: Um, I saw that in theaters with my cousin and my brother and we were like the only people laughing. (laughs)
1: which is obvious. people didn't
0: understand that i was which fine whatever like not everyone is like a big you know sam raimi nerd uh same thing when i saw not a horror movie but um uh what's the more recent tarantino movie
1: uh once upon a time in hollywood in hollywood
0: yeah no one was laughing at that except no one
1: was laughing at the scene where they waste the the manson kids
0: yeah, or like the, with the dog food with bats in it. I don't know. Sometimes like <laughs> I guess it's gotta be hard being a trying to do horror comedy and stuff when the audience is like, Am I supposed they don't understand if they are yeah. supposed to be laughing or not?
1: Well, yeah, you sort of have to I don't know if I'm a if I'm like a media literacy is dead person because I don't know if it's that media literacy is dead or just that media lit people have always had this level of media literacy. They just now have a platform to voice their opinions now.
0: Well, they're incentivized to grandstand about it mm-hmm. and and to for attention online. And it would normally just be like a person, like a normie person who doesn't care. And mm-hmm. Now they're like, well, I have to take a stand against this. And what they're saying is just like nonsense. No, oh, it's yeah. just Twitter is such a poison. On yes. <laughs> Any of that is so bad now, especially you give like a 17 year old incentive to think that they know everything about art. Uh, it's really unfortunate
1: uh man i i really am glad i did not have twitter when i was young
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh i because there's stuff out there floating on the internet that i someone should make uh that should be a body horror thing where you have to become physically every cringe thing you did on the internet (laughs) as a teenager
0: i would literally die
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i would just like yeah i would be like like the fly i would point the shotgun at my head
0: (laughs) none of this no more of this Uh, yeah yeah my uh, stuff is on forums that are all gone now. So, <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah, all the cringe stuff.
1: Yeah, I, all the dead links out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I wish that was. I guess the new guard of horror, which is being led by Brandon Cronenberg, or uh, he he has some. Did you see Possessor or the, what's the I new one? To, Infinity Pool.
0: I want to see both of them just to keep up with stuff, but I haven't seen them.
1: Yeah, they're they're all right. You know, it's it's uh. Also, they're his first two films. You know, like uh, his, mm. his dad's first two movies weren't like the best ones on Earth.
0: Is Shivers is what was Cronenberg's. I think there
1: was one before that. There was a weird, but Shivers and Rabbit, I think, are the two mm-hmm. uh, uh, first Cronenberg. And I don't know if you've seen Shivers. It's I have weird seventies <laughs> sex stuff.
0: Pre-AIDS, somehow. Yeah, it's a really interesting, like cultural historical movie about like a STD monster. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) yeah it's not his best but it is interesting yeah i I, should have mentioned too when you sorry when you're asked we're talking about the internet and you're asking me about influences i was really big into creepypasta culture
2: Ah, around 2010 and like marble hornets
0: and i wrote a creepypasta and was on the forums and stuff before uh this woman ran like the big creepypasta forums around 2009 2010 and then Xboard four chan people doxed her and like threatened her, so she
1: no no
0: quit. Uh, great, cool, cool people, cool stuff.
1: Oh no! Uh, how can yeah, you that, get that, was that was dramatic cool. over like you are in a room that is called the Zone <laughs> of the Ender Room? He is pointing towards a plate. The plate is empty. There, you know, it's all it's yeah. all runs together at the same point. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. The, uh, and a lot of it was very derid- derivative, but it's interesting to watch how mainstream horror culture has just stolen from it Mm -hmm. hundred percent just like taken from that and how now it's evolved into like all the backrooms and scp stuff which i yeah i'm not 18 anymore so i don't keep up with it but it's cool that stuff is cool
1: yeah um Um, i like i like the backrooms and like i guess part of our technology horror obsession too comes from that you know mm -hmm. you're you're posting online so you're gonna do horror stories that vaguely relate to online but um i a lot of the creepypastas were about lost media yeah yeah
0: yeah like but candle the, cove was a good one they yeah
1: then it got yeah. made into channel zero they they keep mm-hmm. making those and i saw that and, and it was okay did not need to be 10 episodes long <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: they, they're they were good because they were short yeah you get in you something spooky happens at the end and then you're out yeah um that was like the majority of creepypastas but yeah a lot of the lost media stuff which again i think may, uh mainstream media years later is trying to like capitalize on a little more or turn yeah. into something more profitable and it's like it's interesting how that lag happens mm-hmm. for having been like on the edge of that for a year or two a long time ago
1: yeah it's cool though
0: there's a lot of really good body horror and old creepy pastas.
1: oh yeah what way what is a good body you turn me on to some good body horror creepy pastas if you can if you can recall some of them
0: what was it there was one um I think the guy or the person who wrote it went by the username Orange Soda, but people thought it was called Russian Experiment Orange Soda. Okay. Um, oh,
1: is it the Russian Sleep Experiment?
0: Yeah. I yeah, think I that know that. That's a like, famous doing... one. I
1: love that one. That's great. And it has like the picture of the a distended looking guy who just turns it turned out to be a Halloween decoration that would, had a spooky filter on it. But yeah. It, it was they're really like, effective uh... at the time. Yeah.
0: It's not, not as much body horror, but I really like the rake and Candle Cove and a bunch mm-hmm. of other ones that I probably wouldn't. But yeah, that one I remember freaking me out.
1: No, the I Russian's like, leap wow. experiment is really good. You know, it, it's legendary for a reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if you if anyway if you haven't read it, the idea is it's like a also a lost media piece. A journal has been found with the mm-hmm. Russian, uh, and they did this experiment where people stayed up. And, you know, as they stayed up longer and longer, weirder stuff started to happen. They started changing, you know, yeah. and, uh, all that good stuff happens there. Um, yeah, I was thinking about uh, how you say short stories and how you're uh, consumed a lot of horror short stories. And I think actually like horror is really good for short story format also oh. it, why i think comedy people are sort of well suited for horror is because like a, a good horror story sometimes not all the time but a lot of the time it resembles a joke where it's set up set up set up set up and oh there's a thing at the end yeah um that's how a lot of junji ito shorts are as well yeah, like, set get, up they set up, it set up. Be funny too yeah. <laughs> I oh yeah t- i
0: love junji ito but yeah um, the, the sort of unintentional comedy or direct or uh, intentional comedy with like his uh cat diaries, too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
0: He he takes he finds that like one premise
1: mm-hmm. and hits
0: it as hard as possible, and then he's out. Yeah, and it's so good. He is yeah. so terrifying.
1: You only needed 16 pages to tell it to, it only takes like a couple of minutes to read. That's why. Did you see that Netflix anime adaptation of Junji Ito's stuff?
0: I uh, I have not. I think there have been a couple of adaptations. I don't understand how they could make it good without spending too much money on it.
2: Like, yeah. Like carrying
0: across what makes his. I think uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf might have done, or somebody did a video on, like, why it's so difficult to adapt his art. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I haven't seen any of it because I was like, I could just read comics. Yeah, if I had heard it was it. really good, I would have checked it out. Or I haven't seen any. There's, like, a live-action Uzumaki I haven't seen that there either. is a
1: live action news. It's okay. It's the same as, you know, any other live action anime movie. If you've seen the live action Attack on Titan or the live action Death Note, not the U.S. ones, the Japanese mm-hmm. ones, which are actually somewhat get the vibe, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, not to get on a tangent here, but I am not I'm not looking forward to the Netflix one piece. I saw the trailer and it's like it's such a shame because it's like perfectly cast like mm-hmm. the, you did as good of a job as you could possibly do casting it and it does not something about the look of it the really digital smooth quality yeah, of it it's is clean. like yeah the clean I, uh, polished quality of it in a it's a big turnoff for me
0: the dialogue is what got me yeah Ray the, the like, mcu I'm like some, dialogue some tension amongst the crew i'm like no that, that it could look way too clean and have all these other issues as long. But if it had the personalities, right, I would still yeah. probably be into it. But I'm like, please don't write this like a Whedon thing.
1: Yes. Luffy doesn't sense tension. He's an idiot. He, yeah, he, can't, he doesn't ass. pick up on emotional cues.
0: Which is so such a weird. And then I, I watched a ton of um reaction videos to it. And I was reading a lot about it because I wanted to get, you know, a barometer for the Western. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, you just couldn't keep that. It was either that's Japanese like a Japanese mindset and you have to change it for a world audience or it's live action. So he can't be silly. I'm like, both of those things are really stupid to say. Yeah.
1: One, because One Piece is the most popular manga yeah. in the world. You don't have to change it for, you know, you yeah. go every, you go to Italy, you go to Mexico, there's Luffy gear. You go to Saudi yeah. Arabia, there's Luffy stuff there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it translates perfectly fine to an international audience.
0: You don't have to make it. We, I just can't. I hate that. uh, Recently on Twitter, too, going around, it was the uh, workaholics, like all the band lines from it. Have you seen that on the whiteboard? Like, so that happened, and like all the cringy, okay, smarmy. It was like a big list. I'm like, whenever the show comes out, I'm gonna get that list Mm -hmm. and mark off how many they use. I just hate that time, especially because like I I really love like good dialogue, good characterization, and like Oda has the characters so down. It's like Luffy doesn't have thought bubbles ever Mm because he's stupid. You never see his internal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's part of the that's such a big part of the character. Yeah, that was my big gripe with it. And I and I also like uh. And speaking of one piece has so much like body horror and body mutilation, self mutilation, lots of that. Body changing. I have like uh been meaning for years to write a video essay on that. Like, there's a scene that that should be in the first season where someone is like stabbing herself in the arm. I'm like, are they gonna do it? Mm -hmm. We'll find out.
1: Yeah, yeah, the body horror of One Piece is that—that's a very good essay to write on. But also, it—it it contains that that two things: the the one you can see how it leads to people's decay, but two, it mm-hmm. also that empowerment thing as well. Yeah, you know, ascend past yourself by altering, uh, yourself in some way.
0: Or eat it. You have to eat your own leg to live, or like turn mm-hmm. into a monster. There's so much. It's like a very like. Mutilating your body or sacrificing your body for your like ideology or survival is like a core element of it that I think is absolutely yeah. a lot of other children's media. <laughs> that people I get really a lot
1: like. of people get scarred a lot. You know, yeah, Zoro like Odin sacrifices an eye at at one point for more. There's Warner. a lot
0: of a lot of, uh, Zorro it's, it's, like he tries to cut his own limbs off sometimes, and people yeah. are like, "Stop it!"
1: Or it's, it's a, just a, to survive. It, it, Just in an extraordinary piece of violence with Mihawk just gutting him right there. I like I get why four kids censored that. There's some of
0: it, it's like, I get it.
1: Yeah, don't agree with everything they did, but I understand why they were like, oh yeah, the one where he gets gutted. No.
0: Yeah. And the the first chapter of the manga is Luffy stabs himself in the face as like a 10-year-old, and they Mm -hmm. cut that from the anime. Even the anime, (laughs) they were like, we don't need this liability. But that's mm-hmm. like one of the first pages he's like I'm strong and he just steps <laughs> there's like yeah.
1: Yeah, um, one piece rules. Okay, yeah. that's I I if I want to talk about one piece I'll have you on again because I okay, you yeah. also how you you're on a one piece podcast as well.
0: Yeah, we do a really cool mini series called Fight Together that's about more like serious adult topics like we have talked about like colonialism, like racism, mm-hmm. trans representation like all and we always do our best to get on guests who are like familiar with this stuff and have studied it and can talk at length about it and it's really fun to do. I I mean the whole podcast is really good too but if you want a more like serious uh, miniseries I'm one of the hosts on Fight Together. Hell yeah.
1: I love the queer politics in One Piece because at at once you'll have the most horrifyingly stereotypical (laughs) representations of gay people or queer people and then on the other hand, you'll have some of the best written queer people in all of literature, maybe. You know.
0: For real. And yeah. especially considering if Oda is a straight guy, the best written by someone who's not a like he um when he was a lot younger, he lived in like an area that had cheaper rent, but had a lot of gay people in it. So like mm-hmm. Whitebeard was based on a gay bartender he knew. And it's not <laughs> overt in the show, but like you know, Whitebeard never sleeps with women. And then there oh. is just a, yeah, and you'll I like I watch a lot of reaction videos, and like I said, I'm interested in like how people react to stuff and like Bon Clay, a lot of the more emotional stuff with him. You'll watch these videos of men who've probably said the most transphobic stuff in the world, like mm-hmm. weeping, <laughs> reacting <laughs> to this like really flamboyant <laughs> character. It's yeah. really cool. It's really awesome. Yeah. And yeah. There's some bad stuff too, but it's yeah. It's yeah. Really
1: yeah. You know, it, it sort of gets offset and what do you different, you know, I'll, I'll use the, it's a different culture. It doesn't translate. I'll use that, that excuse for that Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I want to say that it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not all good. We all know Thriller Park. No, Thriller Park is all right. I like Thriller. Hey, <laughs>
0: Fishman Island. Uh, yeah, nobody likes. Body horror podcast. I don't
1: need yeah. to it. <laughs> Yeah, we get off on the one-piece tangent. Yeah. Uh body horror. Uh, <laughs> I I also think about the reason why it gets to me like um the reason why I, I really love exploring body horror, the reason why uh it affects me more than other horror is from that knowledge that our are sort of you know there's a lot of different you know philosophical theories of it but fundamentally Mm -hmm. our universe is is uh dictated by our body you know Mm -hmm. the way that we interact with other people the way that people see us you know the way that we breathe the way that we take in information is just all contained within our meat so you know it's it's funny how, like, I, I guess one of the earliest examples of body horror I can think of, too, is probably H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Or you could even say Frankenstein is basically a body horror piece as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think all of these, uh, all of these examples come together. Like, we are essentially, our, our universe, or our perception, is dictated by these just easily changeable and fragile Faculties and meditating on that fragility produces that like spicy food sensation, produces mm-hmm. that sort of like I'm teetering on the edge of abyss here when I think about, you know, just how easily this and thus me and my entire universe, my sense of permanence, my sense of ego could change. You know, I, th- does that affect you in that way?
0: I think so too. And your relationships with other people, like in the fly, mm-hmm. um, or, or stuff like, uh, just thinking about parasites. Um, I remember when I was younger, I watched a ton of Animal Planet and Discovery and l- learning about like with the bowflies or botflies. I like, get botflies, yeah, bot yeah. Fly, yeah. Where they did they like that? Uh, for any just about anybody, I think that yeah. is really disturbing. It's a violation of like the sanctity of your body. Or tapeworms or like I uh again growing up in Georgia, I'd get ticks when yeah. I was a kid, and that's all. That's horrifying. Yeah, a thing buried its head in my skin. Yeah, that was to, the to, worst like, room blood. trip I
1: ever had. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's just like um, it, it is, and like it it's sort of you can see as an extension of fear of death or fear of getting old or, or people being terrified of being like disabled or disfigured, mm-hmm. um, because of how society would then treat you as a result or just like I, you know like gangrene and like rotting and stuff. It's I was reading with the um, and again not to derail, but reading about the submarine thing that's happening right now
1: <laughs> yeah um, yeah which this is coming about... out on sunday so there's a chance oh, it's not gonna <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we
0: don't know now we don't maybe, know now fine. yeah they're um, fine i'm sure explosive depressurization oh no i've re- never read about that before <laughs> i'm not familiar with that yeah um i had there, there's a video uh i could find it and link it later too that's um it's it's an instructional video for divers But my friends and I, my like IRL friends and I got fascinated with it. Mm -hmm. It It's like Delta something pressure just about how you could just get that sort of thing. There's like a part of the video and it's kind of sad where there's like a pipe with a little crack in it. And Mm -hmm. a crab walks over it and just gets like sucked in and instantly killed. (laughs) That kind of stuff is terrifying and interesting and also unlikely to ever happen to me. Yeah, So it is a little less scary than a lot of body horror stuff. But just like, yeah, that kind of like instant, like you're just missed. Yeah, it's not even that you slowly rot or like you know uh, it's a slow de- decomposition. It's like the what could happen to you, and then you're just gone.
1: Yeah, that is scary, but that is way less scary to be like actually becoming mist is almost sort of nice when you think <laughs> about, about it. It's like I I think you, in the Marvel movies that's instead of turning into goo or melting, mm-hmm. they just turned into dust. You know because that's it's not somehow, that scary. It's yeah, sad. it's less intense. Yeah, it's it's sad and it reminds us of mortality. But it, that sort of, I I think yeah, the real horror of the submarine is the waiting, you know, yeah. is the knowing that it's going. To, if if it wasn't expressive, if it wasn't an implosion, you know, I think I think that's also sort of the horror of body horror as well. It's that it's taking a long time. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's something that's slowly happening too, and you you have to like you have all this time to come to grips with your fate as well, and sort of like have these last moments of clarity before you finally take the plunge like the excellent Mm -hmm. insects don't have any government speech in the fly you know where he's just using these these final moments of lucidity to articulate his complete understanding of what what lies in wait for him
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which is you know that's a fucking you know that's a thing to think about that's heavy yeah yeah um, and you know, we everyone was making fun of the submarine guys because, uh, well, it's an act of hubris. You know, mm-hmm. if you do a hubristic act and you fail, you know, it's like those guys on Mount Everest. You know, it's just, yeah, it's kind of funny. What do you? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? It's kind of funny. I think it is. There have been some very funny jokes about it. Mm-hmm. I think
0: there is like a weird a lot of people online and this might be like a hot take a lot of people online are just waiting for an excuse to have kind of like unhinged bloodlust, yeah and just be like so happy someone is like dying terribly and they're just kind of like waiting for it to align correctly but i again i think a lot of the jokes are funny and i'm not saying something on a podcast has no impact on these rich people and their scared families but there is like a weird sort of animalistic like okay Okay, this is you know it's it's weird which
1: i get for like kissinger or like people who like do demonstratively bad stuff but something happened oh this guy i just heard about yesterday he's a billionaire he should die i want to which is you know a joke about it also i want to say joke about it i don't care you're not a bad person if you joke about it but uh but yeah you know sometimes you sometimes we all have those moments of weakness those moments mm-hmm. of you know werewolf we all want to turn into werewolves right but <laughs> yeah uh, you know it sort of behooves you to try and keep it down a little <laughs> you know, try that's one emotion that's good to suppress you know i'm or not to, all to about the right targets yeah
0: for, for the actual, and again i'm it's like oh these poor rich people but then it becomes like oh there's like a internet famous socialist who has a little bit more money than everybody else and everyone was like well that person's the next person we're killing it's like hold on <laughs> down. that's again this might be a hot take but it's like i get it but yeah keep it i don't know keep some perspective there again there were some i don't think i retweeted a lot of them
2: yeah but
0: i did like them yeah sure. and i thought they were funny or like yeah. the a lot of the controller jokes or there yeah. was one about the, <laughs> the geocatcher guy yeah only one man can find i thought that one was funny yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, but that's a bit more positive You know, that, that joke ends with them getting saved You know, yeah. it doesn't end and this with hy- hypothetical them
0: Hypothetical thing There were people who were like, again, this is stop dating the podcast But the yeah. orcas flipping over yeah, boats Yeah, of course There yeah. was like a piece in the Atlantic or something that was like, you shouldn't be cheering on the orcas And I'm like, they can't hear me What? This is all about like us it's, yeah. It has nothing to do with the actual No effect like whatsoever on the actual situation And you're admonishing people for it Yeah It's just interesting Yeah, that, that kind of, yeah, the back and forth of like the id versus the
1: superego or whatever. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should you should be a better person than this. But come on, it's so funny. Come it be on. Be funny, yeah. Well, it, it's, it's that classic thing. It's that classic Mel Brooks quote where he says, tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when someone falls into an open sewer and dies, right? Yeah. It's the extremity of it. It's the, it's the, you know, severe, the severity of it. It's something you don't expect to happen, you know? And that surprise, that, that punch, you know, it's, it's yeah. what creates the horror. It's what creates the comedy, you know, it's all intertwined.
0: And likely in movies, the people aren't real. So yeah. Like, in a hilarious way. It's okay to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, it's not, yeah. Movies aren't real and you can explore that like you're talking about the justin long character in Mm -hmm. uh barbarian it's like you kind of want to see something bad happen to him yeah you feel for him in this situation but it's like okay let's see what's this little dude this horrible horrible man what's what's up what's gonna happen to him
1: yeah yeah and yeah you you feel a sort of uh i like when uh i i remember being in get out when uh, daniel kaluuya is finally getting free and he's stabbing uh bradley whitford and and Caleb Landry Jones and Catherine Keeter, and everyone's like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, bloodshed, yeah, it's it's cool.
0: I love uh, in Scream, uh, when one of the, the two like spoilers for Scream, the two kids who actually did it is like he's been stabbed and he's like dying, but then he's like, my mom's gonna be so mad at me. It's so funny,
2: <laughs>
1: like yeah. the,
0: the the patheticness of the character, and though even though I'm watching like a admittedly little teenager die, in the space of the fiction, is really funny. <laughs> it's
1: yeah, so yeah. Good. It's a good. It's a human moment where even though these like ridiculous things are happening, it sort of grounds you in a little bit of reality, which mm-hmm. I, I like that when that happens in these otherwise ridiculous movies too. And there's like a small line of dialogue that to really humanize the characters.
0: I love um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's my uh, favorite
0: Canadian. Horror great, films. Ca-
1: great Canadian movie.
0: The w- rare sighting of Canadian rednecks in a movie.
1: Yeah, um, that we have them. That's our entire media landscape is Canadian <laughs> rednecks. I've said this before, but ninety-five percent of Canadian media is is uh, people having mundane problems in rural communities. Mm-hmm. Letter Kenny, Trailer that's Park true, Boys, true. Corner Gas, The Red Green Show. You know, that's that. But it doesn't come up a lot in horror. Actually, it's funny that mm-hmm. like the big representation for Canada's urban settings. Ie Toronto, and why I think Toronto is actually uniquely and perfectly suited for a body horror movie, uh, a perfect setting because it sort of reminded me of the experience of going to a hospital, just like walking through the city of Toronto. I don't know if you've ever been to Toronto, but I,
0: I would like to. I have not. It's
1: it's a great great city. I rep it. I love it a lot. But there is a uh, sterile quality to it. Mm. I've heard it. It's like New York if it were designed by the Swiss. Somebody has <laughs> once said.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but there is it is that sterile quality you know all right angles and sort of this uh, imposed order that gives it that that otherworldly quality and like a hospital it's like all of this antiseptic stuff that's done to mm. mask the beating heart of meat that that is inside of it you know that that uh, juxtaposition between this really boxy indistinct gray exterior but this like thumping red, you know, vein filled interior, which is, you know, why I think uh, Cronenberg, whether he intended to or not, sort of drew upon that quality of Toronto.
0: That's really interesting. I don't know enough about Toronto. I'd never heard of it conceptualized that way. And that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's coming from the US, like the South and having been to New York a bunch. It's not sterile at all. So yeah that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like yeah the south is very like open like an open wound all in the swamps and stuff yes like, all yeah like true detective um type stuff
1: so that, yeah, yeah. that's really interesting and there's a lot of body horror in true detective actually yeah one yeah, of the yeah. pieces that really addresses uh the chemical effect on our reality that's like a huge theme throughout the first season of true detective is like i worked in an industrial laundry for 40 years and the tips of my fingers are burned off you know there's a real body horror elements to that as well and also you know the main guy he's sort of weird no i i mean the the glenn fleshler character the killer in the end
2: oh yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. spoilers
1: for true detective there's a horrifying yeah
0: yeah there's bad things happen in true detective and it's spooky (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like I need, to, especially come, be, coming. I come from like a really southern family. That's like my cultural heritage more than anything mm-hmm. else. Like I need to get into more, so like more southern gothic horror. Because what I've seen of it, I like it's awesome. And yeah. It's so fitting for because there's so the South is so beautiful and so cool, but has such a horrific, uniquely horrific history. And it's yeah. hot, and there's mosquitoes, and there's like weird stuff too. So it's just like all kind of comes together. Or even like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that was that in the vibe. '70s hillbilly horror is like mm-hmm. you got the Hills Have Eyes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why were we so afraid of hillbillies in the '70s? I don't know why the '70s.
0: It's uh, it is like a, I think a classism thing, yeah, more than anything else. But I don't know why. Maybe it's out of vogue now. And uh, Tucker and Dale plays with that. Yeah, obviously. yeah, that's true. The like fear of um, I would say now it's more people just like think of southerners as stupid, or uneducated, or inherently bigoted when they're not versus being like afraid yeah you know i think that's different now maybe more people have interact i don't know why that changed because i can't think of a recent like hillbilly horror type movie
1: red state by kevin smith is like the last one i can serve <laughs> that was mm-hmm. I not, not, not seen so successful that it's not yeah it's not <laughs> so good it's all right you know what do you want? i like kevin smith i root for him i don't know why because <laughs> hey, he, he seems, seems like, like, like a nice dude, dude. yeah
0: I saw him, uh, he did this like speech about Kevin Conroy that's really touching after Kevin Conroy died. Oh, uh, yeah. like he's, he's goofy. Uh, the, uh the home episode of the X-Files. I also watched the X-Files growing up. Mm-hmm. Home is where there's like the inbred Southern people who have the baby yeah. that they bury and like all that weird. That's the, probably the most recent mm-hmm. like hillbilly horror thing I can think of.
1: Yeah, it's really because now uh, there's sort of more awareness that it's like the the proletarian against the oppressors. I think sort of the ushering in of socially conscious horror movies have sort of uh, or the, the popularity of them now have uh, eschewed away that fear of the fear of the underclass. You know, that's yeah. not a thing anymore. Or even I guess fear of the underclass is also expressed in zombie movies, too, where it's like mm. a fear of the masses. Is, and those have gone out of vogue as well.
0: They went fast. Yeah, <laughs> they changed it around a lot. Or yeah, or they, there's been more like weird meta takes on it. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, now a lot of it is just more. This, like there's somebody in your house or some kind of vague supernatural thing. Yeah. it um, would be so interesting to pay more attention and do more of a survey on modern horror mm-hmm. and where all that's going. But some of I love horror is my favorite genre by far. But so much of it, like when horror is like bad, it can be so boring.
1: Yeah. Well cuz yeah, you just don't feel especially if like you don't care about the characters. Mm-hmm. If that has not been established why you should care about the characters, you always need like a little moment where they do something a little cute or relatable yeah. or you know they have something which distinguishes them as people so that you can feel that oh this is an idiosyncratic personality that resembles something. And I feel like um I'm trying to think of like the last horror movie that I saw that was uh like a lambs to the slaughter type thing that didn't really work, and I, I, it's hard to. I, I guess I usually avoid those movies mm-hmm. too, like because like, I was trying to think of something like You're Next, but no, they give the the main the personality of the main girl is that she's Australian, and that's enough. <laughs> that's it's enough. enough that definitely they, has yes. enough
0: for you to, or like it follows or something. Like you yeah. don't need their whole biography. I really like that. I haven't seen the new ones, but I love the Benson Moorhead films, like uh, Resolution.
1: I don't know those ones. Which one? Oh, my
0: God. Resolution is like, um, it's sort of like a cabin in the woods or Tucker and Dale uh, meta horror. It's like this mm-hmm. guy's a, on, on drugs and he's like really messed up and his friend chains him to the wall in this house to try to like save him as like an intervention. Mm-hmm. Then there's a, a lot of weird meta stuff. It's really scary and about sort of like audience complicitness in horror. Mm-hmm. And then they, they did a couple more movies. They did Spring and then what was the third one? Hold on. Uh, but it was my old roommate uh, years ago. We were just going through Netflix and clicked on Resolution and it ended up being like one of my favorite mm-hmm. horror movies I've ever seen. Um, the Endless is really good, too. That was mm-hmm. like Resolution Spring. The Endless are kind of not like a trilogy, but then they've done a couple movies after that. I would have just like, again, it's not like self-serious elevated horror, but God, it's so good. It's um, It's like very just sort of meta American mm-hmm. horror. But not
1: head. like because I I like Cabin in the Woods, but you it's so much better. <laughs> and it, yeah, it really dates a lot. You know, talk about Whedon dialogue. Oh. It, you, I mean, it was written by him, but um, mm-hmm. I mean, there are aspects of that movie I still like a lot. But um, and I see so you're you're into like what body horror video games are you into? Resident Evils obviously, like the big one. But one that have you ever heard of the Shadow Hearts series?
0: I have heard of it. I haven't played them.
1: Yeah. It's a mildly obscure uh, PlayStation 2 JRPG series. Um, But I I played the death out of those things, you know. And I'm sure a huge reason of why I'm into body horror is because Mm. I had so much experience with those games, which were very Lovecraft influenced, very like people turning into weird mythological tentacle monsters, sort of thing. I'm a
0: big Silent Hill person. Yes, uh, somehow too, especially which is sort of like people's repressed pain and desire, similar to Sweet Home and other stuff. Like their repressed emotional stuff kept bursting forth as like horror. It's yeah. So fa- fa- and like I, even when I was a lot younger, I, I had such a problem with the way that Pyramid Head became like a mascot character because he is like James's repressed like h- the horrible, horrible side of the protagonist. It's like yeah, I don't know. That's what he is. He's very yeah, tied he's, to he's that, very, but he was popular, he's...
1: so. Yeah, the living embodiment of rape is Yeah, the, is what he is. Yeah. Cause like
0: James, his wife was dying and he was sexually frustrated and like had all like had guilt, but then had like these horrible like impulses and urges in the way he looked at women. And it's like a very it's not just like the mascot rape character that we think is fun. Cause it, yeah. you know, and, and it has such a densely layered, important, like relevant meaning in this like mm-hmm. somehow like two thousand one horror game. It's so it's like one of my favorite pieces of horror you'd ever. But now oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like a theme park mascot, which is it's, weird. The design was too it. cool.
1: The yeah. unfortunately, the design was cool such that you can do. Yeah, this is like if you actually read about what Pyramid Head is about, is the worst person ever. But you know, yeah. Lord knows he's got a great hat. I yeah, love that I, hat.
0: Oh, I saw that movie. I was so mad. I hate <laughs> the hate of that movie uh, so. <laughs> I Whenever I I was probably like a teenager. Yeah. Just like oh, this is not. What, you know, the, the the reason that I love this game so much, the reason that it resonated so much is this is just like a gore fest, which I like a gore fest. I like a dumb gore fest of people getting ripped in half, but like you're just making mm-hmm. it. And it also makes, you know, the, the rapey element of it. It yeah. cheapens it so much and it's like, oh no, it's just like sick exploitation and it's not, there's yeah. no reason for it anymore.
1: There's no thinky pain to it. There's just no. that sort of visceral pain to it. There's no like, you don't, you don't go back to it later and think about
0: Oh, this yeah. is why the, the nurses are like this because of this. is like it just becomes like a weird horny thing. Yeah. I should mention too, uh NBC's Hannibal. I was a huge yeah. Hannibal fan too. Like a lot of really weird, grotesque.
1: Yeah, I'm horror. a I'm a big Hannibal. I love Hannibal as well. Mm-hmm. Uh Brian Fuller has hit and miss, but that one definite, definite hit, you know. Uh I love yeah. the guy he turns people into cellos. Mason Verger yeah. gets all fucked up and then it changes actors for some reason.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. Probably yeah. none of my business. Probably there's like a reason the the Eddie Izzard character isn't he like got snails on his arm before Hannibal eats him or he's like his arms cut off or something. There's snails with him. I don't yeah. know. And I love, uh, I, I'm a huge as a fan who played Chilton. Yeah, oh, yeah, and
1: he keeps getting just progressively more fucked up, which I love. Like Rickety yeah. Cricket. He yeah. Just every season he loses another part of him.
0: A- it's there's- so good. And it's yeah. also similar to the One Piece thing of like, your body is is your like what you use to navigate the world, but you can keep surviving even even as it gets like horrifically fucked up. <laughs> yeah, when it, there's like all these pieces of him missing, and he still has his personality. I love that character.
1: Well, he actually he becomes a better person as pieces yeah. of him go missing. His his character develops, and he becomes wiser and smarter. As which is mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that theme as well. It's so good. I think the what you mentioned, like stuff in Sweet Home or stuff where it's somebody's inner personality manifesting Mm -hmm. uh as uh you know how like life you know that is because that's what it feels if you're like if you've ever had like a mental health episode Mm -hmm. it feels like you're turning into a fucking monster or something like that and you know you're turning people away and you look at yourself in a mirror and you don't recognize yourself even though you know you're probably still the same your inner state has morphed your body into something that you perceive as terrible
0: Mm -hmm. so when that's handled well i I love it yeah like i said it's not horror but the persona games too persona 4 specifically it's like Mm -hmm. the dungeons are based on the like repressed fears of the people who are going to be your friend so you're like what is this what does this mean for this guy um yeah and sweet home it's it is so grotesque and it's really violent like these monsters smash people to death and like eat people and Mm -hmm. And there's one, I think, that's like a peeping Tom in real life, and he becomes like a creepy eyeball monster. Hell yeah. And there's like a lot of really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I like that too, because it's also, you know, I guess if you're going back to the original body horror, it's got to be like the Bible, right? Or it's got to be like myths or something. Because, you know, you get into tons of Greek myths where somebody is transformed into a spider for their hubris, or, you know, (laughs) somebody turns into a pillar of salt, or, you know... And I guess that stuff always interested me as well, because even like and maybe there's something very Old Testament. I'm also Jewish. So Mm. I think there's like that inherent comedy, too, of like you Old Testament God style punishment where you do something relatively minor. And then there's (laughs) this huge outsized punishment that is (laughs) that befalls you because, Mm -hmm. you know, you you oh, you stepped over the line wrong. Oh, no. Now you're a lizard.
0: Or even like Job didn't even do anything, right? They were just yeah. like, "Let's mess with this guy." <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But people <laughs> misinterpret. This- Job is a comedy. That's what people mm-hmm. don't understand. Is Job is a joke. You know, I did everything right, and you still continue to lose. Isn't that funny?
0: And there's and- also, or oh, go ahead, sorry.
1: No, I think that's just ultimately why the submarine
2: thing is Uh, because it's that like
1: Old Testament thing is like, we just we tried to spit in the face of God and then Mm -hmm. God is like, this is the worst thing that's going to happen to you for doing something that's only like a little hubristic, something that's not even, you know, tons of people have visited the Titanic and private Mm -hmm. ships before. Mike Reese, the Simpsons writer did last year. and but you know for their small act of hubris an outsized terrible old testament style punishment has befallen them with, and that is the source of all jewish comedy that is the mm-hmm. source of you know comedy is when someone falls into an open sewer and dies it's that that old testament style joke
0: or when they get uh, instantly pressurized or whatever <laughs> yeah like, uh, when they t- yeah don't, yeah. don't want to think
1: about but you know, um, you think about that little moment, that scream moment, or my mom's gonna be so mad at, oh, what if I press this button and then they go, Oh, <laughs> yeah. they that little humanizing moment before they're obliterated.
0: That was one of the ones I was reading about. Uh it was a Norwegian like oil rig thing, and something went wrong. They blamed this one guy for it, but it was probably a mechanical failure. Like they hadn't they sued years and years later. Mm-hmm. But it was like there were these different compartments that were supposed to be slowly depressurized, and for some reason, Something went wrong mechanically, or a guy turned a wheel he wasn't supposed to, and, like, five people died, and one of them, the wheel, there was, like, kind of a crescent gap between mm-hmm. the two different, and he, like, got sucked, his whole body, like, got slurped through <laughs> instantly. I was reading about that last night, too. It's, like, that kind of, and again, I don't know. Like Goldfinger
1: the- in, that, in, in in Goldfinger.
0: What happened? I haven't seen that one. Goldfinger the gets sucked
1: out of a plane, and at first uh, he gets stuck, and then he's going bah, bah, and then he gets fully like sucked the, out of the plane through that
0: small. Yeah, this, uh, it's going to haunt me forever. Uh, uh. Um, I was going to say too, like there is a fascination among like I don't know, like uh, online horror people, Tumblr type people now with the biblically accurate angel.
2: Yes, like with all yeah. the eyes and that's stuff.
0: That because yeah. it is horrifying. That wasn't something I was that exposed to when I was younger, but now it's like I think I have some stickers or enamel pins with that because mm-hmm. it's cool and it's just like mothman or whatever yeah um but like objectively it's horrifying it's like a be not afraid thing it's like it's sort of almost represented as something that's trying to scare you into submission Mm -hmm. you know inherently terrifying
1: something that you can't comprehend and thus Mm -hmm. are inherently uh submissive to just like uh, just like a lovecraftian entity
0: Mm -hmm. just with Uh, a different point of view of the author (laughs) on how you should (laughs) respond
1: um yeah um back to horror what do you have any like foundational horror video games or was it mostly movies and TV a
0: lot of it was Silent Hill too I've also played a ton this is like less um foundational mm-hmm. but I got really into the PS one horror like movement mm-hmm. um which is where a bunch of like independent horror game creators are making these like really really short free games and the style
1: mm-hmm.
0: of uh like like late 90s early like 2000s like like blocky low
1: poly uh mm-hmm. like lo- shitty textures
0: yeah but i shouldn't still... say shitty
1: they're fun they're they're good they're, i, I love that style yeah
0: it's like we, we i was thinking about it because like in the the scan line i did with bomb the vhs one and we're talking about how like that is a particular aesthetic that lends itself well to horror And I hadn't considered how much like not being super high-def, being a little murkier, being a little weirder makes something something a lot scarier. And they explore that a lot. And last year I was playing Majora's Mask for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that game is terrifying. It
1: is a scary, scary game.
0: And that influenced them a lot too. I think uh, Deadly Premonition is another horror game that I loved. That is more weird comedy horror. Sometimes Mm -hmm. intentional, sometimes unintentional. But I think that one sort of change my perspective on art because it's a really broken game mm-hmm. it's like but it's such a labor of love and it's so interesting um and then the second one came out more recently and it's set in louisiana and it's not it doesn't handle racial politics
2: uh, well, well at all
0: it's not that good the other one is like a twin peaks homage and this one's a true detective homage okay made, both made by a japanese man who is not that keyed in on
1: that's all right American you know culture. he doesn't he doesn't have to be
0: <laughs> yeah but i but yeah deadly premonition is one too that i that really left an impression It's a fascinating, really funny, really strange game um, Mm -hmm. that has a lot of Japanese horror elements set in like Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. It's really, really cool.
1: Um, I like that. I like, uh, I really like Japanese horror um, Mm -hmm. and the horror and uh, the body horror of Japanese horror, which I, I feel is like a lot more. They have a lot more of it there for some reason. Maybe it's because of the legacy, as you were saying, atomic horror, Mm-hmm. where they they experienced more of that stuff firsthand and it still is prominent in their in their cultural idioms. Mm-hmm. Um I guess what I'm thinking of is like uh yeah I yeah I, I, I can't name anything other than Junji you know because I'm a dilettante <laughs> you know I, I don't know anything. It's like
0: Akira's all yeah, that stuff there yeah. and like Godzilla it's go. not really horror but like so the kind of helplessness of it so, well it's also sort of like how 911 broke Americans brains <laughs> yeah, nearly yeah. as many people died or to equate the two things but like you watch like cloverfield or whatever like there's a lot of uh yeah it's weird um,
1: well war of the world Steven Spielberg's war of the mm-hmm. worlds it's 9 11 there were a lot of 911 horror movies
0: which uh, uh, makes sense <laughs>
1: but I, w- yeah. I was actually trying to think of like the most prominent or biggest American body horror thing uh to come out recently and what I landed on was Chernobyl. Did you see Chernobyl? Mm,
0: I didn't see it, but that makes sense.
1: It was Chernobyl is okay. It is like well acted. It's a lot of anti-Soviet propaganda, uh, which is to be expected. It's funny that it's Craig Mazin, who, if you know his career as a screenwriter, did like all of the movie movies, like epic movie and date movie.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah.
1: And he was also roommates with Ted Cruz, in, in college <laughs> and gain some sort of Twitter fame by talking about how weird of a roommate Ted Crude was. But then Craig Mazin, he makes, uh, he makes this Chernobyl thing, which is pretty, it's competent. If a, it, It's really well cast. Jared Harris and Stellan Skarsgård are really good in it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely flawed. But what I will say, the radiation sickness makeup It hit Mm -hmm. me in that body horror. It hit me in that way. It's some of like the best, like, oh, that guy's really fucked up. Like makeup I've seen in in, like a mainstream thing for a while. Even in like Last of Us, which has like the body horror elements of the shroom Mm. things, because that's a bit more fantastical. It's, um, It's less relatable and less visceral than like seeing these people die of radiation poisoning just I'm seeing she- their skin slough off, you know, stuff like that. They did a really good job at portraying the horror of that.
0: Is it more practical stuff? Yes, like, it's all practical it.
1: stuff. Yeah, zero zero CGI used. They they simulated radiation poisoning uh, <laughs> with that. I, I guess the other one that I can think of, which I guess Alex, uh, the guy who, Alex Garland isn't American, but Annihilation was mm. a recent body horror that I loved a lot. You know, talk about how like I, I think I was talking to a friend the other day and he said all body horror or is sort of reducible down to cancer or, you know, it's sort of reducible down to this thing that won't stop growing. That's taking you over, you know,
0: or like gangrene.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, I guess it's like there there's the two types, there's the rot, you know, there's less of you or there's the cancer. There's more of you, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, e- each of them are horrifying for different reasons, but yeah annihilation a cancer across the land and it's affecting everything you know I, I, there's something really powerful to that
0: i'm cheating looking at the list of body horror media
1: of course Wikipedia
0: page annihilations on there
1: yeah i
0: will not I, I cannot handle this show i i think it's kind of the vibes are really bad but uh, made in abyss the i don't know what here. that is
1: what is that
0: it's super popular and okay. a lot of people i respect really like it uh, it's like these kids are going, there's like a big hole in the ground in the mm-hmm. jungle or something and they keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and as they go in, it like deforms their bodies more and it's like super graphic, disturbing body horror. Okay. But they're all really prepubescent and it's kind of sexual.
1: Uh, uh, okay. They're like six-year-old,
0: they, like, it's weird. Like, okay. I can't watch it. Again, I haven't seen it. I can't, like, I, if someone who likes it is listening, I'm not saying people who like it are perverts. But um, it's like a lot of, like, transformation, mutation. I think if they were, like, a little bit older, I could watch it, but there is definitely the vibe is bad. But it's okay. really, really popular. It's like a for how disturbing it is. Yeah, it's really popular now. I don't know why they have Deadpool on the list. That's interesting.
1: That is interesting. <laughs> I guess technically, yeah, he is cancer as well. He's he's got yeah, he's he had the little baby legs in that one movie that yeah, was pretty a weird. little
0: tiny hand yeah. uh, district nine was really good
1: oh yeah yeah district district nine is pretty good but i feel like the body horror is secondary in that movie mm-hmm. uh like you don't actually see his like face get fucked up. you see his arm get fucked up but mm-hmm. you don't see his face get fucked up which is that's the you got to see their face get fucked up in order for it to really resonate with you um but yeah, like if those are the examples that you're pulling from, those are like from a long time ago. There is just like not a mainstream body horror thing in, in uh horror movies right now. They
0: have like nope and old and like no, yeah. nope I guess is not old, body horror yeah. to me. People get the spoilers, people get eaten, but it's not really
1: yeah. Old was I liked old. I'm a Shyamalan apologist. I don't I need to apologize. Before. He's great.
0: <laughs> He's really interesting. Yeah. He's a super interesting guy. Um but yeah, there's not like Crimes of the Future.
1: Yeah, Cronenberg. Uh back 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 in his form. Uh, He's Colorado done Space
0: 2, which I liked.
1: Yeah, uh, but you don't see much fucked up stuff happen to them either in the movie. There's no, no. like there's no like a uh, money shot like in I'd say money. What a gross term.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for what we're talking about.
1: Disgusting. But you know, like the 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 punchline uh, like when uh, Jeff Goldblum's jaw rips up at, at mm-hmm. the fly and then, you know, oh, now it's really happening. And then the music starts going to dun, 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 dun. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. it doesn't have one of those moments uh where they have finally succumbed to the thing that is eating them, no. you know, Uh which is why it didn't. It didn't get me in that like, oh, this is fucking me up sort of way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But was, Chernobyl actually did
0: I should watch Chernobyl my family watched it and really liked it
1: yeah it is okay you get to ignore some of the some of the more like obviously anti-soviet stuff but uh Mm -hmm. other than that it's fine it's fine uh i should i should ask you about uh your your zine your your tabletop rpg what what's uh what are you exploring in your zine is a lot of short stories or is there a longer narrative that you're you're doing
0: it's the only thing tying everything together is that it's all body horror. Mm-hmm. I just sort of I uh, did a Kickstarter in uh, February 2020, which was a horrible mistake.
2: <laughs> but I had
0: no idea, you know, um, it took like three years to come out because of that, just for a lot of different reasons, like right before the pandemic. Yeah. And yeah, it's called Inside Out. I have like print copies and uh, digital copies available. But I got it's just like I knew a bunch of uh, tabletop designers and people who did like horror actual play podcasts. Mm-hmm. I know a bunch of horror artists. So I was just like, what do you want to do for this? Essentially, I gave people free reign. Like, oh, yeah. uh, Steven Dewey, who did this game called Ten Candles, which is like my, probably my favorite horror tabletop game. I was so happy to get Steven on. Where he, uh, Ten Candles is where it's not in my zine, but he uh, they wrote this separately where you like light a bunch of candles. And then as your characters are slowly dying, you like snuff them out. As you're playing and you burn your character cards like physically oh that's real cool life. and you you are physically if they go out they go out you can't relight them so if you're laughing or you move your hands and you snuff it out then like so you're you're physically still oh that's a great mechanic that loud, that's a, a good deck. idea yeah yeah it's awesome so steven uh wrote this uh module called the shy lamp worker for my zine and i got art from trevor henderson for that one i like Nick Hell yeah, funny. siren head yeah trevor's awesome trevor's like the nicest dude yeah he rules got amazing. great taste in
1: art got a great taste in movies nothing but good things to say about trevor henderson
0: yeah i got like him nick tofani Tess stone who i've been a fan of for a long time um cosmic the uh, the artist for uh feast for a king which i was talking about mm-hmm. i got zelibri nelson jr is one of the writers i got etten who's like a great tabletop writer too and there's like sci-fi stuff there's um uh slavier wrote like a uh short horror story about like a creature that you can incorporate into games it was mostly just me being like hey i like body horror do you like it do you want money to do something for this thing <laughs> yeah it's, i'm really proud of it it's uh it's yeah it's not like a piece of story it's a bunch of different modules people mm-hmm. could run in their own tabletop games with like really a lot of like flavor art and like maps and and stuff like that so it was a really it was very stressful because i was not prepared to for all the work over covid when like yeah got derailed and and kickstarter backers i will say are very demanding in a way that i was not prepared for either (laughs) i like i mean i i'm not gonna name this person obviously but i was being really late on it because like one of our um contributors like this person's parents got covid and it was bad so we kept getting delayed then my mom got in a horrible car accident oh no (laughs) yeah um and i was like taking care of her and i told this person privately about it when they reached out and then they were like posting on the kickstarter page well shannon hasn't said this but i'm like this is about my like my mom you gave me five dollars for a Zine. <laughs> I get it that you're mad, but like I'm not scamming you. I've posted everything, you know. So uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Anyway, think that, uh, that whole
0: culture is really intense.
1: The the Kickstarter culture.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there a favorite. Kickstarter?
1: I guess there is a whole vibe to even like the type of person that donates to a lot of Kickstarters because you know I'm doing something good. I'm supporting people. You know, this is charity, and I am owed something because of it. <laughs> But, I mean,
0: I did owe them. I was terrible about updating just because yeah. I was overwhelmed and people were dying and <laughs> my mom like got, her spot her uh, spine got like cracked or like got messed up. Her ribs mm-hmm. were cracked, and I was like, I don't care about the zine right now. Um, but there is like a weird because I uh, made my money off Patreon for a long time, and the the people who come to your Patreon to support you mm-hmm. are totally different from people who like I like tabletop. I'm gonna give mm-hmm. you your Kickstarter. Uh, where's my thing? Where's mm-hmm. my thing? Are you scamming me? Are you yeah. lying? Are you scamming me? It's like, no.
2: <laughs> I was like,
0: if I, I got like five grand uh, off of it and I went way over budget. Like I didn't mm-hmm. keep any of that money, you know, cause I paid um, uh, people to help me get it finished. Um, who did, who did a wonderful job, but uh, yeah, it was a weird experience. I'm so happy it was made and I want to do another one, but I think I'm just going to self fund it.
1: I, I really, now this is my pitch for like a body horror movie. Where mm-hmm. you start a Kickstarter, but then you slowly start <laughs> mutating into like a big, and you have to keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, looking. Yeah, you're tempted to post a photo of yourself, but you know, you, uh, you the become this YouTube skin monster or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I get why people were mad, because I took, I took, it was like three years late, but there was a, a sense of like, I'm not scamming you. I posted all the art, I paid all the people who were involved, like calm down. But you can't say, there was a tweet that went viral recently. Where the, the Kickstarter, uh, I don't know what it was, like a game or something, was like, mm-hmm. you'll get your game when you get your game. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, that's so rude. That's so terrible. I'm like, no, it's not. You don't know what crap people say. Anyway, that's like a total tangent. But like I'm yeah, working no. on this little body horror project that people, most people gave like $10 for. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very weirdly stressful experience and unpleasant experience for me because I was, not, I was really late on it. Mm-hmm. Or very unhappy. Uh, but I'm really proud that it exists now.
1: Well, it's, out out it. it's it's out there. It's it's got all the stuff you mentioned. It it's got ev- it's got everything, and mm-hmm. uh, people should check it out.
0: I'm really proud of it, and there's a lot of cool extras that come with it too. Like you can buy maps and safety. We've spent a lot of time on TR- TTRPG safety tools, where it's like if someone like uh, I've met a lot of people who have kids, and they're like in the game, can we please have nothing where kids get hurt because it'll like mm. upset me or stuff like. Or, like if people don't want eye stuff or bugs or whatever. <laughs> That's interesting. You can. Uh, can they're like really, really good tools. For eye stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is the body thing me. without any eye stuff. God <laughs> yeah, damn, I know. The line there.
0: You just gotta find friends who are comfortable with like, like the scene from Opera, the uh, Jello movie where someone has their eyes like there's a bunch of needles taped under their eyes. So if they close their eyes, their eyes get put with needles. Stuff yeah. like that. Some people can't handle that. Yeah. It's interesting. but mean, obviously, there's obvious stuff like sexual assault or like child stuff. Yeah, I like, You yeah, should yeah, never put in games. Sense, yeah. But some other people will have very specific things, and we tried to cater to that as much as possible too because i didn't want any because i want i cared about people playing it but also someone might be like you know i don't like eyeball stuff and i played your game and it upset me it's like well that's on you
1: yeah <laughs> you know we, we had the no eyeball stuff right on the warning Yeah, you know? the
0: oh, no eyeball module options uh. and whatever yeah it's an interesting thing to navigate but really rewarding like i said if you ever get a chance to play 10 candles i mean i love my zine too but like 10 candles is still this Ten candles that game is, is so cool yeah it's so fun yeah
1: hell yeah well, I think uh we're coming about we're coming about now to the end of this body horror conversation. Sh- Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your insight. You've got a lot of you got a lot of irons in the fire out there. What what are your plugs? Tell me your plugs.
0: Uh, you can find my YouTube channel at uh, Street Movies S T R U C C I or if you like a fake friends parasocial. I have been right I haven't put a video essay up in two years, but I have been writing them. I hopefully will put one out in the next month or two. Um, I am a player on the like southern gothic body horror monster of the week podcast oddity roadshow I play a gay con man named Marlon like a cowardly <laughs> uh, shitty little guy. He's very, I love that show Um, Joel who like produces it spends a lot of time on like music we have a lot of original music for it and stuff and um, I just did I think it should still be going when this comes out I cut the video for this awesome Kickstarter for a game called triangle agency which is like corporate horror
1: Okay. So like
0: x files Z S C P SCP. Um, it reminded me of the Stanley Parable. My friend Caleb, who I've known forever, wrote this game, and the Kickstarter has been a massive success, which is so exciting. And uh, Carly Minardo from Rude Tales of Magic did the voiceover, and I cut the video, and we spent a lot of time on it. And it's oh, soon. yeah. But I would highly recommend Triangle Agency too. Not as much grotesque horror, but sort of like corporate like being trapped in a job you don't like. And there's like yeah. supernatural anomalies and monsters and stuff. So. Yeah.
1: Back rooms severance. Yeah. that sort that of, kind of it, stuff. Yeah, becoming the more of a thing. The game control was a
0: big influence on it, Um, which I haven't played, but I would recommend check. Even if you don't, I would recommend backing it and also watching the video I cut. Cause I spent a lot of time on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, uh, you should do all those things. I'm telling you right now, whoever's listening, do all of them. Right now, look at all the links Go to all the links Which we'll be putting in the description of the show Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for being on We'll look out for what you're doing in the future And you have a great day
0: You too, thanks for having me
1: Hell yeah